0: Welcome to Writers Forum, a weekly presentation of WRBH. I'm Sherry Alexander. And we want to welcome our guest today, Tyler Bridges, author most recently of Long Shot, A Soldier, A Senator, A Serious Sin, an Epic Louisiana election. Welcome to Writers Forum.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You were you started out in California, but and you studied political science appropriately enough, and I found out you played the trombone in a marching band.
1: Well, it's the Leland Stanford Junior University Marching Band, and the band is famous for not marching. It's a little different, Uh, but you mentioned that I did political science, and I have to say, if I had moved directly from California with my political science degree to Louisiana, uh, I would have been lost because... um, what, what they teach in school is very different from the way things really work in Louisiana politics.
0: Everything's different in Louisiana, Tyler. You, you worked for one of Ralph Nader's publications, and you spent some time in South America.
1: Yeah, in fact, I moved from South America, where I had spent four years in the late 1980s, to New Orleans in 1989, and that time in South America is what really prepared me for living in New Orleans and covering Louisiana politics.
0: Are you saying banana Republic
1: is that? I am not saying that <laughs> but uh, things are very complex here um, Louisiana New Orleans operates on many levels just uh, I I, li- I like to think of Mardi Gras how the tourists see just the 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 Mardi Gras on the level of seeing Rex and Zulu and then there's so many different layers to Mardi Gras. And in fact, there's so many different layers to life here. And, and, and it's somewhat kind of like that in South America as well. So that prepared me uh, for coming to, to uh, New Orleans in 1989.
0: And you've hooked up with a, um, a Latin American who was a, an Olympic athlete and had a, one lovely daughter who's here with us. You brought, um, welcome, <laughs> bienvenido. Um, and you just got back? From, from visiting, I guess, in California.
1: Yeah, was, that's where my native state, and was out with seeing my sisters uh, for Christmas and New Year's.
0: Well, you've written three books, and I'll give this disclaimer. I've read all three and used one of them quite a bit in a book I wrote. You did a lot of things. The first one, uh, The Rise of David Duke, you were working at the time, you worked for the times Picky Inn for about seven or eight years.
1: Yeah, and for for. Probably half of that time, my job was to cover David Duke. And I guess I'm the world's expert on David Duke. I did a lot of investigative stories during his political rise, including that epic 1991 governor's race. And I turned my work into a biography of Duke, The Rise of David Duke, that was published by the University Press of Mississippi in 1994.
0: I uh, reread it recently. And I noted, and then I found out you had also... uh, written an article for Politico noting the similarities between David Duke and a current politician that's in the news quite a bit. Um, you pointed out things like he uh, looked on the newspaper, your newspaper, as having a vendetta against him. Um, he wasn't always honest. He certainly under People didn't want to admit if they were voting for him. The crowds shouting in agreement um, and then he ran again. It must have come in handy because the, the new book, he was one of the candidates running for U.S. senator.
1: Yeah, I, in 2016, my job working for the Advocate newspaper was to cover the Senate race and do grand in that race and uh, got a tons of attention, became a national figure again as Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump both were talking about him and many other people, but he ended up getting an only 3% of the vote in that election last year.
0: Then you wrote another book, um, which I thought was wonderful also, Bad Bet on the Bayou, The Rise of Gambling in Louisiana and the Fall of Governor Edwin Edwards, and you really gave a wonderful background, um, and that's the one that helped me a lot because I was writing about politicians and corruption and...
1: All the different fabled trials in Louisiana.
0: I think that's where I met you, covering Edwin Edwards' trial, pardon me, and... Of course, Edwin Edwards' trial where he was convicted dealt with um, the casinos and the, um, in particular the riverboat casinos, the licensing. But you put it all in perspective. I mean, Louisiana is a longtime gambling place.
1: Yeah, interesting that, the, for example, the game Craps was invented here in new orleans and the fact the biggest scandal in the history of gambling in louisiana that was called the louisiana lottery of the late 1900s and uh uh, murphy foster who was whose grandson became governor mike foster uh played an important role in cracking down on that yeah so gambling and louisiana are are uh, entwined history
0: i was rereading that book also and a friend of mine was very interested in it and he was looking at it and uh, noting his family was involved. And so now I've loaned him the book. So he's going to he's going to go out and buy it after he he reads about his family. And you talk about the Louisiana Way. Um, Tell us just before we get into the current election, what's the Louisiana Way?
1: The Louisiana Way is basically you can't get things done if you want government to do something for you unless you contribute money legally or illegally to the politicians. And that happens elsewhere. But it, Louisiana seems to have uh, perfected that uh, process.
0: Yeah, I I would learn from uh, Ed Rinwick, you remember, was this wonderful pollster and led the Institute of Politics at Loyola. And he points out that it, it's a tradition in Latin America, well, in Spain and countries like that, that um, they have a different kind of relationship with politicians. And he, his theory, or some of the speaker's theory, was that some of that filtered down into Louisiana, where we look on our politician as a personal uh, go-between more than the upper 49 states might uh, we call on the politician to help us with something, and then it's a fine line between calling on someone and bribing somebody.
1: Yeah, and sure I was talking several minutes ago, Sherry, about my time in South America before coming to New Orleans, and there, there's a tradition of the strong man on the horseback, the caudillo. And Louisiana's governor, in, in many ways, is like the caudillo. Is you know, This is a state where the governor is very, very powerful. And ironically, so much of the power that the governor has is not given through the constitution, but it's through tradition. But ironically, and this is something we touch upon in, in in the new book, if I can jump ahead to that, is the that John Bell Edwards, our current governor, um, did not get to choose his uh, candidate speaker. to be speaker sure. of the house, and that was a break with tradition. So that was a weakening of some of the power that a Louisiana governor has traditionally enjoyed.
0: Well, and the fact that a U.S. senator uh, ran for governor. In many states, it would be the opposite. It would be considered you'd be a governor and then you'd want to be a senator or maybe a president. But we've even had people um, look on mayor and governor as stronger positions than congressmen or something, which when i moved here that was eye opening that the local politician was considered much more powerful than the national figure
1: yeah well people so strong from this state really so strongly identify with this state and and I, there's been that tradition i think it's been it's been weakened over time but i think there is you know those who are 50 60 70 years old i'll say boys although we've had a female governor but boys who grew up wanting to be governor of their state. And there's an entity called Boys State. Um, that, For example, Jay Darden, the, the, who ran for governor in 2015, he was a part of it. Buddy Romer, who was governor, was part of that. His son, Chaz, was part of it. Uh, my co-author, Jeremy Al- Alford, in, in this book, uh, was elected governor of Boys State.
0: I didn't realize that. Well, let's talk about the new book. The new book, of course, um, is describing, when you say long shot, it was a long shot for John Bell Edwards to win a gubernatorial race, mainly because he was a Democrat, and this is not a democratic state anymore.
1: Well, and it wasn't just shared that he was a Democrat, but that's an important reason. But he was running against the the 800-pound gorilla in Louisiana politics, David Vitter, who, when the 2015 governor's race began, had never, ever lost an election and he would played a key role in turning the legislature from Democrat, which had been Democratic since the, uh, the Reconstruction era. And Vitter, just a very strategic, smart, insightful politician, um, helped elect enough Republicans, knocking out Democrats that the legislature turned Democrat, turned Republican. And he was the heavy favorite uh, in the early stages of the 2015 governor's race.
0: Well, let's talk for a minute about the process of writing it. You mentioned Jeremy Alford and he's a wonderful <clears throat> political writer and he took over from the late great John McGinnis as editor of Law Politics. Um, and how how did you co-write a book with someone? I, I I've tried it and it's not easy. How did you and Jeremy decide to write this book and was one of you in charge or how did you do that?
1: so i covered the 2015 governor's race for the advocate newspaper and jeremy covered it for his subscription service lapolitics.com which is based in baton rouge and just before the election uh, i finally became convinced that john bell edwards was going to win the race sherry when i cover a race i really try to keep in as open mind as possible about who might win i don't want to get locked into thinking that so-and-so is going to win but just before the election and november twenty fifteen i I went to the editors of the Advocate. I said, "Look, looks like John Bell Edwards is going to win on the election night instead of doing the traditional cover the election night party of of one candidate or you know John Bell Edwards, let me spend that evening pulling together the story of exactly how he pulled it off, how this long shot pulled off this win as we expected him to win, and my editors agreed to that so. Uh, my first thing to do that day was at 5 o'clock on election day of November 21st, 2015, I went with John Bell Edwards to St. Louis Cathedral. I went to Mass with him. He agreed I could accompany him and that I could interview him afterwards to begin and get a sense of how he pulled it off. So right after Mass, we stood there in, in, the, in the doorway, and I was interviewing him, and then we kind of got kicked out of the... Uh, cathedral. And then I'm interviewing him in front of the Presbyter while the state police vehicle with his family is waiting for him. And I remember it's six o'clock, two hours before the poll closed. I said, are you nervous? I called him John Bell then. Now I have to call him governor. But I said, John Bell, are you nervous? And he said, not as nervous as that other guy. And then right from there, I went over to the Hotel Monteleone where the election night party was. And I sat down with his pollster, who could then begin to tell me the behind-the-scenes story of how John Bell Edwards pulled it off. Then I sat down with his – that guy's name is Jim Kitchens. Then I sat down with Jared Arsimon, who, who crafted his very uh, memorable TV ads and and began, again, give me – tell me the, the behind-the-scenes story of how John Bell Edwards pulled it off. Literally at midnight, I sat down with former Governor Kathleen Blanco and her husband in their their suite and, uh, or their room at the Monteleon. They had been early supporters of John Bell Edwards their insight behind the scenes stories of how he pulled it off. At 1:30 in the morning, I sat down with Sam Jones, State Representative from Franklin and St. Mary Parish, guy who's closest um, uh, to John Bell Edwards. He began filling me in uh, from his perspective. And at three in the morning I went out to the breakfast at the trolley stop on St. Charles Avenue with the Blancos and with Sam, got more information. And then I did more interviews in the coming days. And on Sunday, the advocate published a very long article, 3,500 words of how John Bell Edwards pulled it off. And I got such a great reaction, Sherry, to that article. Well, what
0: a, what a great story. I mean, nobody else was thinking along those lines.
1: You just knew. I just knew he was going to win. And I, and I knew there was a good story to be told of how he pulled it off. And having two written written two books, I knew how to do this kind of a story. And so I got such a tremendous response, Sherry, to that article that I began thinking, for the first time, I think there's a book there. So I began thinking, well, I don't think I can do this book by myself because the book has got to come out as soon as it can. Uh, it needs to come out soon. And so I called Jeremy. and Jeremy likes to tell the story that when I called him, he was literally coming out of a duck blind, which is <laughs> seems very appropriate in Louisiana. And he said yes. So then the next step was, uh, I, I spent a weekend putting together a chapter-by-chapter chapter outline of the book, and uh, we assigned each other chapters, um, and then I began interviewing people. And so the process was, uh, when we finally finished chapters, I would send him a chapter, and he would suggest certain changes, and he would send it back to me. I would make that, and in the meantime, at Jeremy's suggestion, we brought aboard Clancy Dubose to serve as our editor, and Clancy just turned out to be a, a terrific editor. Clancy
0: is uh, wonderful. He he helped me. He knows everything about everything around Well,
1: him. Well, Clancy was really good for for three reasons. One was um, he knew the story himself because he had covered the governor's race, and he, knew, he had a good sense of Louisiana history as well. Second reason he was good is he was just a good line editor and just saying this works, this doesn't work. And then a third point was... And Jeremy and I would have some disagreements at times. You know, he saw things one way, I saw things another way. And I thought it was very important that that we be collaborators, Jeremy and I. And so we called upon Clancy to sort of be the referee when we disagreed on on a certain approach, and that happened several times. So the book improved immeasurably by having Clancy involved.
0: I, I went to Y'all's launch and Clancy spoke for a few minutes and explained he wanted to make sure it didn't sound like it was written by two different people he wanted to make sure which it which he did a great job i mean you wouldn't know that two people wrote separate chapters or anything it wasn't like some edited books that you know people's names are on it and i didn't know except i read somewhere in your acknowledgments, who might have covered which parts of it or or whatever it's an interesting story tell us first of all for people that Aren't from here. Um, his his name is really he go he called him John Bell, but we called him during the election Bell Edwards to distinguish him from another Governor Edwards that we all know and love. And he's he's not really related to Edwin Edwards.
1: They're not related, and John Bell is his first name. His first name is not John; it's John Bell. But but
0: as I said, we all wanted to distinguish him. So um, forgive me if I accidentally. Don't call him by both names. Tell us something a little bit about him personally, because we really didn't know much about him. He was from a small town, big family.
1: Well, one of the things that we try to do, Sherry, is is <clears throat> explain how is it this this little-known state representative from Little Amite, Louisiana, Tangipo Parish, came from behind. Not many people gave him a chance, and a major role of that is his personal biography, and we tell that story in Longshot, of a son, of, son, grandson, great-grandson of sheriffs. And in, and, in fact, his brother is a sheriff today of Tangipahoe Parish, and that, that uh, he ended up going to West Point. And one of the stories that, that I tell in, in Long Shot is just how many guys drop out the first day of, of West Point. It's so tough. And he stuck that out, and I explain why. And his his uh, graduating from West Point, and then his time to become an army ranger and how difficult that is. And, and how
0: tough. I mean, <clears throat> the stereotype is people think sometimes the Republican is more going to be law and order and the Democrat is going to be less law and order. But part of the reason, a very who knows what big part. Um, He went to West Point, Army Ranger, family of sheriffs. Um, He was a law and order person, which not as many Democrats are as, again, the stereotype is you're more likely to see that in a Republican.
1: And one of the things we do also in Longshot is to tell the story of how the race that David Vitter wanted it to be David Vitter wanted it to be a race on the issues and, and it to be a partisan race since Louisiana elects Republicans much more than Democrats statewide. And how John Bell Edwards wanted the race to be about personality, about character, character. about background, about values. And we describe in long shot that battle between the two candidates to have the fought, the battle or to have the race to be fought on more favorable terrain,
0: people really didn't give them a chance. You you tell us. I mean, there were. I, I followed it with great interest. You know, I'm a journalist. I wasn't writing about it, but I thought I might someday be interviewing people about it. And um, Mary Landrew and Karen, uh, a state. Um, politician tried to even get him to drop out near the end they were still telling him you can't win you know let's go so that we don't want David Vitter to win we can there's a couple of um other Republicans Jay Darden in particular who had been a Democrat you know w- w- wouldn't we be better off supporting a moderate republican
1: yeah that's one of the stories that we tell in in long shot. I actually told that story initially in that long article that I wrote for the advocate that in July of twenty fifteen, uh, Karen Carter Peterson, who chaired the Democratic who chaired and still chairs the State Democratic Party, and Mary Landrew, uh, the former three-term senator from Louisiana, met with John Bell Edwards and uh, and it, as you said, they tried to get him out of the governor's race. And John Bell Edwards told me that was the worst moment of the race for him. Uh, That was his lowest point, that people he thought were such strong supporters turned out not to be. In fact, they wanted him to run for attorney general. And Well, at some point,
0: we all thought um, our current New Orleans mayor, Mitch Landrieu, Mary's brother, might run. But he had said no, he he took a pass on it.
1: And that's another one of the -the behind-the-scenes stories that we tell is how John Bell Edwards the various moves that he made to try to make sure that Mitch Landrieu did not run for governor because if Mitch had run, uh, he would have totally overshadowed John Bell Edwards and uh, it would have been a different e- election result.
0: The um, the race was very interesting. Just in case people might not know, although anybody from Newell, I mean, we, we go on the net. So, of course, people that Aren't fortunate enough to live in Louisiana, or New Orlean's might not be as familiar with the personalities as we are. What is the sin that the serious sin that you talk about here in your subtitle?
1: In two thousand and seven, and this is the story we t- one of the stories that we tell early in Longshot. A an investigative reporter working for Hustler magazine discovered that. David Vitter had received five phone calls from the D.C. madam, who ran a prostitution service, and David Vitter then had to admit publicly uh, to the press that he had committed what he called a very serious sin, uh, but he would not answer questions from reporters that day in 2007. His wife was standing by his side, Wendy. She made a statement, and we um, really really refused to, to to go into any detail of what the various serious sin was other than he had committed one and to say that it had been a few years in the past. But it turned out that that various serious sin was um, a a pivotal issue in the governor's race, and it's one of the reasons that John Bell Edwards wanted the race to be fought on character and values, his character and values versus David Vitter's, and Vitter kept trying to get the race to be turned away from that. And again, these are all the behind-the-scenes stories that we tell uh, in long shot.
0: Just because we don't have a lot of time left, how is it that um, David Vitter, you, you do speculate a little on this, how is it that he managed to get re-elected to the U.S. Senate after the serious sin, but it really was his primary downfall for governor?
1: Yeah, Sherry, in 2010, Vitter ran for re-election against Democrat Charlie Melanson, a Democratic member of Congress, and what Vitter did is he made the race not about Melanson. we <laughs> made it a race about Obama. And Obama was not popular then in Louisiana and probably still not today. And um, so he he ran it running against Obama. Uh, run, running against Obama, Vitter was able to nationalize the election and win. And he thought, I think, he could nationalize the 2015 That's what I was going to
0: say. He tried that. I mean, he...
1: He, he ran ads uh, and so did Super PAC supporting him against Obama. Uh, but it seems that Louisiana voters make a distinction between governor's races and Senate election. And again, the race that I just covered, John uh, John Kennedy was elected. It was it became a national election on national issues, and, and John Kennedy won. But uh, so Vitter kept trying to nationalize the 2015 governor's race. And again, we tell the story in long shot whereas John Bell Edwards tried to get it focused on character and value, values.
0: Well, some of my favorite parts, and again, we don't have time to do all of them. People will just have to go out and read the book. Um, the first debate was just, I, I you know, I've worked as a TV journalist, and I know how difficult it is. Uh, and there are a few people in this town that just do a wonderful job, I think, of running these debates. But it, the first debate was not a wonderful job, and um, <laughs> they never really got to the issues.
1: you talk about the one on WDSU yes. during the primary, yeah. I didn't and, want to
0: name names. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I'll name names since they're in the book, and uh, WDSU was very strongly criticized when those four men were on the debate. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, it wasn't just the four men. There was a couple of extra minor candidates, and, uh, you know, I don't like to criticize uh, uh, journalistic colleagues, but, uh, there was such strong condemnation of the way they conducted that debate. And then, uh, some of the later debates, especially in the runoff, it, the, the final debate in the runoff, um, it, it was like a, um, a heavyweight fight. One of the things that I really tried to do, um, Sherry in long shot is, is people know the outcome of the race. So what, what I try to do and Jeremy and my, and my co-author, is to have it as a narrative, where where we try to make you feel like you're in the room. I did so many interviews where I try to capture what was going on in somebody's mind and try to make you feel like you're in the room, so you want to turn the page to find out what happens next.
0: Well, in some of the um, behind-the-scenes stuff, some people are more familiar with than others. I think uh, Jeremy wrote about the Washington Mardi Gras, which, if you don't know anything about it, it's really something, and it's coming up again as we tape this. Um, we're taping this in January. I'm not sure when exactly it'll air, but that really, things go on up in Washington that have a great deal of impact on us, and we don't know about it. I love this stuff. Well, on- let
1: me just jump in, if I may. The, one of the things we tried to do in Longshot is to capture the essence of Louisiana politics and what makes this place and show how unique it is. Montana doesn't have a Washington Mardi Gras. Mississippi doesn't have a Washington <laughs> right. Mardi Gras. Louisiana does.
0: And some other colorful things that you'll have to read about in the book are a last-minute um, interview with the alleged uh, alleged prostitute that um, was involved with yeah, David Wendy Ellis, and and it the ads were just incredible. I mean, just watching the ads and you tell the story behind all these ads. Um, one of them where he, David Vitter chose prostitutes over patriotism. I mean, it's just really exciting. The um, Spygate chapter, you call it, in the coffee house where...
1: <laughs> yeah, the royal blend in uh, Metairie.
0: And somebody was spying on him, um, the second debate. Anyway, it's all very fascinating stuff. And um, Buddy Romer gave you an, a really nice blurb. He says, great read fascinating race, shows the power of money and special interests in politics. Every voter should read this book to fully understand the dangers posed by such power. Um, And you'll have to buy the book to read all these juicy stories. (laughs) You've been listening to Writers Forum. We want to thank our guest today, Tyler Bridges, um, author most recently of Long Shot, A Soldier, A Senator, A Serious Sin, An Epic Louisiana Election. I'm Sherry Alexander for WRBH.